Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy on uh, what has been quite the week here in the sports world. We are talking about sports and not, you know, not playing sports or maybe playing sports. I don't know. Like we're just taking it day by day at this point. Well, Eric, what's great, yeah. Jeffrey, is Jeff last week the title of our t- the title of this podcast was uh, "Football is Back." We think. So, what's the title this week? Uh, we think football might not be back, <laughs> or maybe I, I, I don't know. Like we gotta, you know, it's it, it, it's up in the air right now. We're evaluating the situation. Uh, we're discussing things with doctors uh, and uh, consulting the American Athletic Conference's medical advisory board on what are the proper Wait, steps uh, for. Did, did, did Mike Oresco just get on the line? Who is this? Yeah, yeah right. Uh, we are Black and Gold Banneret dot com. SB Nation's home for your UCF Knights. Uh, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret, UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. We'll be spending pretty much the entire podcast talking about exactly this because, holy smokes, did we have a day of news. Um, actually, a couple days of news. What am I saying? Uh, yeah. It all started, uh, you know, at, at least as of right now, uh, here's the current state of play. If you have been living under a rock over the last uh, few uh, over the last few days as uh, pl- as the Clouds started to gather on or a bubble. Monday. In fairness, like I have, fair, I uh, good. Thank you for that. I can't believe I missed that one. That was that one was wide open and I missed it. Um, the reporting started trickling out by Tuesday that the Big Ten was probably going to cancel its season uh, or at least postpone it. And lo and behold, uh, that di- uh, it, it, they weren't the first ones to pull the plug. Actually, that the answer to that trivia question is the Mountain West Conference at uh, five thirty four uh, on uh, on Monday, five thirty four Eastern in the afternoon. The Mountain West said uh, they are not playing fall football. They would consider playing in the spring. Brett McMurphy had that. Um, elsewhere, the a couple other conferences said, uh, yeah, you know, we're going to follow the SEC's lead. Namely, the Sun Belt Conference said that. Uh, it, within Conference USA, Old Dominion said they're not going to play, but Conference USA as a whole hasn't said anything. And Conference uh, USA, uh, they're moving forward with playing. Right, right. But it, at least as yeah, but as of Monday, we had we hadn't known by yet. Right. So that takes us to that takes us to Tuesday. First domino to fall was UMass. They canceled all their fall football, uh, and then later in the afternoon, the Big Twelve. Uh, announced that the fall season is canceled. They would attempt to move the season to the spring. Um, Pete Thamel uh, reported that an ACC source told them we're further away from pulling out now than we were a few days ago. I think we're more steady in the boat and sticking with our plan. Given the conditions, we know that can change uh, quickly. Uh, So everyone was expecting the Pac-12 to follow suit, and then lo and behold, they did. Uh, about an hour and a half after that. So the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are cancel, uh, announced that they were canceling their fall football season. The Pac-12 announced they were canceling all sports for the rest of the 2020 calendar year. All right, so that includes all of the Olympic sports, which the Pac-12 takes a lot of pride in and is rather known for. It includes about a month and a half of basketball. Yeah, uh, so so that t- they're thinking maybe conference only in the, in, in the spring for basketball. Who knows? So at least... <laughs> Uh, how about Jeff Scott, the head coach of uh, South Florida, saying the new Power Four, SEC, ACC, Big 12, AAC, conference champs go to the college football playoff. Actually, it's pretty Is funny. he wrong? I don't think I, he's wrong. I, I know. 
Kenny Turnier, uh, the uh, or Turnier, the uh, uh, UCF defensive lineman, said Big Twelve, Pac Twelve. Who's next? Uh, the ACC then came out and said that they were staying the course. The SEC later that evening said that they were staying the course. Um, and the American Athletic Conference hasn't put anything out official, right, Murph? But basically, through what Mike Oresco has been saying in radio interviews, including one with Paul Feinbaum earlier today, was that it was going to stick around. The Big 12, meanwhile, announced its actual fall football schedule. Uh, it's I love pre- that. Yeah. They're like, by the way, we're not going anywhere, and here's who we're playing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. The Big 12, Tuesday night, the presidents all had a meeting, and instead of saying we're out, they got they, when they came out of the uh, when the white smoke came out of the chimney, they're like, here's our schedule, in fact. How do you like that? <laughs> so uh, Conference USA's uh, officials, uh, they're kind of in a holding pattern as well. But right now, here's where we're at. The Mountain West is done. The Big Ten is done until the spring. These are all done toward, till, until the spring, at least. The Mountain West, Pac-12, and uh, Big Ten. Don't forget the MAC. And the MAC. So, because that's, that, that goes back to Saturday. I mean, we, we could really right. drag this back to last week with well, the we, we want to play. To we wanted to. <laughs> we really want. I know, I know. I know you don't want to, but we could really drag this back to the last week of, uh, of the we want to play movement. The, the the Trevor Lawrence post on 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 well the midnight Sunday uh, and oh, all that upheaval. Jordan getting involved. Oh God, it was like, it was I, a lot. It was there was a lot going on. So anyway, um the the uh, the lead right now is hey the Power Six lives right. <laughs> it's, it's, we six. got six conferences left in FBS football that are still playing. Um and I think everyone except the ACC or or at least the Power Five conferences. Remaining, with the exception of the ACC, who's been quiet about it, or they've all said that they were going to start. What was it, Eric? September twenty-sixth. Well, we don't know. We don't know that officially yet. There's okay, been speculated. Right. The, we know the SEC is going to start on the twenty-sixth. The Big Twelve has moved things to the twenty-sixth. Of note, USF will not get that paycheck from Texas. Texas has selected UTEP as their one non-conference game. So our 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 friends at the Daily Stampede. Uh, <laughs> yeah. UTEP, you are Texas's non-conference. Uh, now you, you know you bring up the ACC. That has been spec. There's been speculation from insiders that the ACC could, could, and again we're recording this Wednesday night, and I cannot emphasize uh, emphasize that enough because at the tempo that we're going, this thing will change a million times. Uh, there's speculation that they could move the ACC to September 26th. Some have speculated they might just drop the non-conference game to make that happen, which obviously would affect UCF's game against Georgia Tech, uh, which is scheduled as of now for September 19th. But as of this recording, that is still on the table. The ACC has not commented officially as far as changing anything scheduling-wise. All we've gotten indications for sure is that they're moving forward. So that leaves us, Brian Murphy, with the ever-important question of, well, what do, we, what do we do now? Where is the American Athletic Conference? And um, it, it, I know that obviously we've heard a lot from, uh, from Mike Oresco, but where, where do we stand right now? The American Athletic Conference is moving ahead step-by-step, step, day-by-day with caution. Uh, basically, I, I think that the, 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 if you look at, if you listen to a Resco today on Feinbaum, the general crux of his point of view of why the AAC is continuing 
is that they think it's too soon to make a decision that would impact so many student athletes. And he he talks a lot about how you know they they want to look after the student athletes first. They want to care about the student athletes first, and that t- telling them right now that they're not going to have a season when they're still you know a month ago. We are a month away from today from UCF's first game as scheduled. Uh, telling them right now that they don't have a season, he thinks it's too soon. So basically, they're going to proceed for for now. Proceed with caution. Now he did also say that the Big 12's announcement from Tuesday, when the Big 12 said on Tuesday that they're going to continue forward, he turned that as a linchpin decision for the AAC. If the Big 12 had decided to to fold on Tuesday, I think you would have seen the AAC go with it. And certainly, if the AAC, whenever the Big 12 or if the if if the Big 12 and the ACC do. Uh, the the American's not going to be just out here by itself playing each other when everyone else has gone home. Uh, you know, I think Oresco knows that, that you know that if if the, if the other power if the other power five conferences pack it in the three that are left, the American's going with them. But with the three that are remaining, especially the I think especially the Big Twelve and the ACC, uh, they're going to keep chugging along, and I, I don't think they're looking past anything past really uh, tomorrow because they know it could all change but that's where we are now they're cautiously optimistic and see what thursday and friday and the weekend and next week bring um i was trying to pull up the uh non-conference schedules for some teams in the american at least what they have right now houston uh at least as of right now has byu who's an independent and north texas who is Conference USA, right? There or are they Sunbelt? I forget. Um, but either way, they're 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 still alive. They're Conference USA. Conference USA, thank you. Um, Memphis has Arkansas State and UTSA. Uh, for example, let's see, SMU, they have uh, Texas State and as of now as, as of now, North Texas and Stephen F. Austin. Uh, Stephen F. Austin, by the way, is FCS, but um, by the way, that was an interesting thing that came down from was it the Big South, which is an FCS conference that they were moved, they were going to try and play football in the spring unless you were a team in that conference that had opportunities to play FBS teams in the fall, in which case you could play. <laughs> which yeah, well, is, they're, they're leaving that up to a lot of those lower conference FCS programs. Is you know we're not playing, but if there are conditions that are ripe for, for you to get a game and to play a game. It's really your. It's really the discretion of each program. I um, if you're getting that, that fat old paycheck from somebody, yeah, <laughs> that's what that yeah. is. Uh, I wanted to see what some of the northern teams were looking at. Uh, Cincinnati is getting. They they have Austin P, and that looks to be it right now. Um, Temple, I don't think has anyone because. Their games against Idaho and UMass are gone. Right. Right. UCF has, of course, F- officially FIU and Georgia Tech on the slate right now. Nothing new on that FAMU game, by the way, for set for October. We were, um, we were waiting. We, we thought waiting. it was coming. We thought it was right around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Not there yet. But you're right about Temple because Idaho got canceled and, and, and UMass wiped their season. So, um, so it's just a total – Cluster right now for the American, which is the case for everybody in the, in the G. What is it? The G three now. 
So the G three. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, man, like I this said, has it's, been, this has been an might... exhausting couple of days, and really, that has nothing to do with the American. I mean, the American's only a piece of this. This has been exhausting because back in March and April, when the pandemic when the pandemic was really gripping hold of this country, and the NCAA was stressing unity among its power conferences, especially that does, has all dissolved. Everything now is just every man for themselves. People are getting different information. People are getting different information from different doctors and making their own decisions on what should be the same information. How are we not getting the same information about what this virus does to you if we're talking to medical professionals? It is, it is, it is, it blows my mind that. that I just saw that tweet earlier too, Murph. The, the, um, somebody tweeted out the, uh, it's from Brian Fisher. I know what you're Brian talking about. Fisher. Yeah. I wanted to read that, but go ahead with what you were saying. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. I mean, um, cause I have it too, but, it, um, as I'll, I'll find it, I'll find it as well. Yeah, I got uh, it. But it's it, just the fact that, that the, the PAC 12 can say, you know what? There's so much, we don't know about this. It, 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 look at all the, 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 my, the, my, the myocarditis that's happened, myocarditis that's happened with okay, at least 10, yeah. With at least 10 Big Ten athletes, um, we don't know about the long-term effects. Uh, and so just for, just for now, we feel like it's best to, to push this to the spring because this could be really serious for some athletes. And let's be honest, there's liability involved. Um, and so they're, they're, they're taking what would be called the safe route. And, and the other conferences are like, yeah, we see that information. We're going forward. How, it's amazing that that unity that was supposed to be there Never, it was all false front. It never existed. It's just every conference for themselves. And it makes these last two days really exhausting because when you want someone to lead in the NCAA, there is no leader. They, they have been, there, there, there's, there is nobody at the top directing anything. It's all a free for all. It's right. a complete cluster. Which is exactly how they want it because they, they don't want the NCAA to c- take control of FBS football at all. And, and I, here's the tweet from Brian Fisher that we were talking about. He, he sent out first the uh, uh, athletic director, Mike Bond, of, uh, in a letter, uh, in a USC letter. Quote, in my view, no reasonable-minded individual could have listened to the facts presented by our medical experts and believe that we had any other option at this time, obviously, to move to the spring. Right below that, same tweet, Bob Bowlesby, Commissioner Big 12. Quote, we can look at the same data and come to different conclusions. And <laughs> which is, when you no, think but, about but, it, it's, but in fairness, it's amazing. But in fairness, I mean, we've all been to this. We've gone to doctors. We've asked for an opinion on something. They give you their opinion. You go to somebody else. They give you a different opinion. That's what this is. This is basically what it is. You're going to a doctor's visit, and doctors are having their own different opinion. There are some doctors that think you're fine. There are some that think, no, you can't do this. It's it's That's where we're at. And the problem is, is that every conference has their own medical staff. And really, we don't even hear from them. Now, we heard the ACC's Duke, you know, specialist. That guy's, that guy's an actual infectious disease specialist. And they say they're fine. They could do it. And then the Pac-12 right. doesn't. Now, part of the problem is, though, and I think really what this underlines, and I think the Pac-12, to their credit, has been much more in-depth in their explanation in the Big Ten, which has been a quagmire. Um there are some schools, and, and this is the thing. We could talk conferences all we want. This is a school-by-school school situation. There's some schools right. that can't do the protocols that they can. 
and it's other state by state situation because right. think about right. right now you're having a spike in Arizona that wipes out two of your schools right but you know Washington and Oregon are are, are doing pretty good right so right. And, and this is one of the things I I wanted to pull up the conclusion from the Pac-12 uh, advisory board um, currently the avail this is from the Pac-12 S-A-H-W-B-I, the, basically their medical ad, advisory panel, their document, which was their report that they sent. Currently, the availability of frequent FDA-approved accurate testing with rapid turnaround time vary at each of the Pac-12 institution locations. There's your key, okay? In addition, in many locations within the conference, community test positivity rates and the number of cases per 100,000 in the surrounding community exceed levels which infectious disease and public health officials deem safe for group sports. So what they're saying right there is like it, it like you were saying Eric conditions in one part of the conference are different than conditions in another. And that's obviously that doesn't give you a, an equal playing field. Correct. Um quote it is anticipated that over the next few months rapid point of care tests will become more available and we will have a greater understanding of the potential short and long-term effects of COVID-19 to better inform medical decision-making. Therefore, it is our recommendation that we delay progression to contact activity and competition occur until that time all criteria stated above are met. That's from the Pac-12. Yeah, so, I think it's a very – and it's very fair. There's certain spots that they, – they, they, then they highlight, too, some of the testing protocols that weren't happening at every place in the Pac-12, correct? Right. Uh, so – Whereas I think the SEC and the ACC would argue, hey, we're doing what we're, you know, we're doing that. We're testing for that. That was their counter. So I'm not surprised that a specialist in Duke disagrees with a specialist in the Pac-12. We're in different regions. They have different approaches on how to handle this. And the reality is I don't think any of them really know. They're just giving you your best guess. And and that's where we're at. Like, you're Lincoln, Nebraska is thinking to themselves, we have no such thing as a problem with this. That's why you've heard them being outspoken. But yet they don't understand that. And that's not the case in Arizona. So that's the problem. Nobody, everybody's looking at their own situation and they're not looking at the other person's situation. This is why we're in this mess. And it's so, so in a lot of ways, college football is just really a perfect example of what we're dealing with as a society in general. It's very, very natural. Well, it's a, I mean, it's a big country (laughs) and, and, you know, the situation is different everywhere. And, uh, and, you know, we, I think we kind of lose track of the fact that we sort of act like, you know, everything is on a level playing field and the, and the nation is some sort of monolith. It's not. And the and that's that's what these administrators are having to try and deal with here at this point. It's, you know, I, I don't envy them. I really don't no, envy them. No, I don't it's a envy very tricky. The, and here in the state of Florida, you know, we're, we're at least, it seems that we're on the downward trend, right? But well, I'm deferring yeah, to you guys. I'm deferring to you guys. Let's go talk about that a little bit today about, in a lot of the places where the AAC plays football, in a lot of those cities, there there is a dip in the number. The there's a dip in the, in basically the positive case trend lines. If you look at the you know the past week or so, um, and so in most and so yeah, in most of the cities, that's right. The cases are coming down, but they may not necessarily be down to a point where where the the guys who are making these decisions say. Okay, I think we're going to be okay. There's at least the risk is low enough where we can go, um, and and I can't I can't blame these guys for being for being obviously cautious. Like you mentioned too, Eric, there's and Brian too. There's liability issues involved because COVID nineteen 
is not a it is not something that you can just check off on your regular injury waiver, right? It's not a, it's not something that can that that's basically incurred in the course of playing a sport as normal. So put yourself in the shoes of Danny White, of Mike Oresco. Um, well, I think the presidents. I think the presidents is the one that's right. more. I don't. I. I mean, nothing against the ads or Mike Oresco. I. I. They're gonna. They're used to not them specifically, but it's it, it, not. A, yeah, President Alex Cartwright at UCF. I mean, well, that's, right. Let's. I mean, there's two things here. Let's. People have to understand this, and I know that some of the audience. And I've tried to explain this. The majority of presidents and universities, the majority of schools, the majority do not care about college football. Like they don't care if it gets played or not. From the state, I mean, there's more schools that play do not have football than do have football. At least major college football. What presidents care more about is their academics, right? I mean, I think we all agree on that. Well, uh, I mean, they're they're, they're, they're caring about the the entire picture, and <laughs> there's going to be a co- you know whether or not there is football, their university will exist. And that's the that's big thing. It. It's not right. going to affect them. The the universities from that state, it's going to affect the athletic departments. But you and I know, Jeff, you've been, you know, there are schools out there that there's always, there's a little bidding, you know, hey, money going towards academics versus athletics. So there's always been tension there in some places, not at UCF necessarily, but other places. So presidents don't care, are not going to be worried about, hey, you know, we got to play football because we our fans need it. No, they, they're going to do what they feel is best. And the last thing they want to deal with is a liability issue with a student. And I think a part of this, too, is the fact that the student, the players came out with the we want to play. And this is a, I think from a president's standpoint, it's like, yeah, OK, well, if you're worried about it, don't worry. We're going to take care of it right now. We're, we're not going to even try it. I do think that played a role in this. Right. Trying to you're, what you're saying is like th- that the presidents are looking at saying we're going to nip this in the bud right now. I think in the Big Ten and the Pac-12, yes, especially the Big Ten, which – and it's funny because people are trying to make it political, but the Big Ten is pretty conservative by nature. I mean, this is a conference that still very reluctantly plays games at night during the regular season. Right. So it's not like they're the most – hey, on let's – one hand, the number of times that Michigan has played a night game at home. Correct. Think about that. You so know? they're not – and I've said this to people. The reason why student-athletes will never get compensated – is not necessarily because of ADs or coaches. I think ADs and coaches, if you did a secret poll, would be like, they're like, sure, whatever, pay them, you know, let's compensate them. It's the presidents of these universities that they're like, no, this is an institution. We're not going to pay our student athletes, they're students. And if they don't like it, I think, I think there are a percentage of presidents that would rather just shut down the sport and shut down sports and reboot than ever get to that point. Well, I mean, I think that varies from institution to institution, Correct. certainly. I mean, it, but, but, and, but let's, and I, I'm, I'm kind of seeing it. I'm kind of seeing this as almost a, a cultural thing, right? Sure. The two, con- okay, the two conferences that, or, or the three conferences, I should say, that have pulled that have pulled the plug for the fall: Pac-12 out west, uh, Mountain West mostly out west, basically. Not big hotbeds for football, college oh. football. Well, well, also, uh, you know, it, it's. You know, it's it's let's let's call a spade a spade. It's a little bit more progressive out there, right? Big Ten in the Midwest, a lot of kids from there, from the, those big northeastern cities that come there. So it's a little again, it's a little bit more northeastern progressive. Down here in the South, a little bit different way of doing things. ACC, SEC, Big Twelve. You're talking Texas in the Deep South. I mean, it it's it shows you sort of the 
I I disagree with this stance just because like the Mountain West plays in like Wyoming and Idaho and Nevada and and Big California Tent. and some and, I mean, and yeah, but I, I agree. Like, I agree with Murph. I, I think you're. I, I, I think. I, I think. I would go with the approach of those are not like like football in the South is in in some in some ways the they you know a way of living. I mean, this it's a is cultural like, staple. Correct. It's, it's, yeah. Which, but that's the minority, and I think some people don't understand that. Like in particular, Tim Brando, who I'm a huge fan of. But Tim Brando has this idea that college football is like the most important thing out there. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, for not he gets a giant paycheck. Yeah, every well, second. that's great. But nobody care. You know this, Jeff, because you've been in the Northeast. Like I have visited in the Northeast. Nobody could. If the if college football was canceled tomorrow, nobody in the Northeast would care. Michael K. wouldn't care. He be they'd be talking about what the Yankees are doing and when is right. is G. Carlos Stan ever going to be healthy. Uh, among other things. I think the same thing is in the West Coast. I think this sport is regional. It's to the South. And I think that's more of the explanation of why we have this divide. I don't think it's an accident that it's mostly Southern conferences that are still the ones that are trying to play football. That's not right. an accident. And, that, and, and that's what I'm trying to say here is that it, it, is that's a it, that's how it fits in with the culture of where these conferences are, right? So it's yeah, I, I, it, it, it's an interesting point, but well, I, but I, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna let Eric go first. Well, I, I think it's worth pointing out, just because the SEC, ACC, and the American, and all these leagues are still trying to play, doesn't mean they will play. I think that's something right. to. This could change in two to three weeks. I think really the question here is, do you agree with pulling the trigger this early without even? seeing how it goes the next few weeks. One of the reasons why the SEC has pushed everything to a start of September 26th, uh, and Greg Sankey was on Dan Patrick, has mentioned this, it gives them time. It gives them a chance to look at data. It gives them a chance to see how this things happen with students coming back, what happens with NFL training camps. It gives them more information. Now, it may turn out that three weeks from now, they might come to the same conclusion and say, we can't pull this off. But they're trying to see if they can, whereas it seems like the Big Ten in particular, not the Pac-12. I think the Pac-12 obviously has different issues, but it seems like the Big Ten in particular, they just have been very trigger happy throughout this. They were the first league to announce the non-conference schedule when everybody was blindsided by it. They pulled the trigger quickly, and I think that's where you're seeing some of the people that have been critical. It's like, well, what changed now? Yes, there is some conditions with COVID-19. We've known this, though. We've known this. Where have you guys been? With this, this, People knew this when they announced their Big Ten schedule last week. So what's that's, I think, what's got people some asking questions. Because well, I think it, those, things, those things may be known, but we also, we, 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 again, there's so many things we don't know. What we do know already is frightening enough. Again, there's been that report mm -hmm. of at least 10 Big Ten athletes that have my, myocarditis. Um, and so that, I think, enough spooked that conference as yeah, it probably yeah. should. Because you're talking about not just – this is like you broke a leg. Those could be lifelong, long-term effects with your heart that you've done to college athletes. So uh, for the Big Ten specifically, they looked at what has already happened and what we don't know. Again, this virus is only like eight months old. Uh, and so they basically decided uh, you, you might call it trigger happy, but said there's already so much that we do know about this that put our that can put our athletes at risk once they start banging into each other that we're we're just going to call it off now. Right. Yeah. And I I, I do think though I, I want to and I want to go on the record on this in particular is that 
the people who are saying, well, the media made this happen are just stupid, are just out of your, you're stupid. Okay. Do you realize what happens if this whole thing gets, even if it gets moved, if it doesn't get canceled, even if it just gets postponed, how many people's livelihoods are affected by that? All right. Including ours to an extent, right? It's. What are you talking about? Me and Murph are ready to talk about Dylan Moore for the next three months, right, Murph? Yeah, I'm on the Jeff Sharon ALMVP Dylan Moore bandwagon, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But, but if if you if you're saying that the media is the reason for this, no, no, you're you're the well. Here's the problem with the whole media. You're just looking for someone to blame for something that you should have been doing for five months. That's the problem. No, the problem is this is the problem. And I, some of the college football, and I'm not going to mention who the names are. Not all of them, but Come some on, of them. Out with the you, names. Woke it. Forty. 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 Are let's be on a normal year. Pretty negative, cynical guys covering college football by nature. Everything's negative. In contrast, Jeff Passan, who has had to deal with a lot of baseball crap, bull crap. Quite frankly, I'm being real polite about it. With all the negativity in baseball. Yet, when he reports it, he's not sounding like this, oh, Debbie Downer, this is brutal. He still, you can tell when he reports it that he does care about the sport, and he, but he's still reporting it like it is. I think a lot of the college football fans have a problem with those guys, the way they represent it, because they're always negative. They can't tell the difference between guys who are opinion writers and guys who are reporters. Well, that's fine, but that's... Jeff the, that, I'm just, is a reporter. Pat yeah. Forty, I hate saying it, is not. Neither well, is Dan well, Wilson. I, They're well, columnists. Think, well, They're not well, reporters. Well, I think they would tell you differently. I think they feel they, well, they well, act like point, college football point, insiders. I can point to their stuff and tell them you're a columnist. All right. So I'll don't talk that. to me about. I, but I'm just telling reporters. you. But that's that's who the main college football guys are. Pete Thamel's another. But he, I, I don't know. I think Thamel's fine. I think it's Stuart Mandel is another one who gets a lot of it. He's been pretty. He's a pretty cynical guy. I mean, college football. When you're covering college football. There's a couple of approaches you could take. And let's be honest with, you know, viol- NCAA violations. It's a very negative tone deal. That's the only time anybody reads Stuart Mandel is, hey, this team is on probation or this team is being investigated. It's always negative. So that's why I think this, that that perception is out there. Obviously, they don't want the sport wait, to be wait, shut down. They, well, well, let me wait. Let me play devil's advocate. for. Are they being negative or is the story negative and they're reporting it? I think the tone, I don't think they're like, Hey, there's what's no, the, what's the, where's the positive tone in, in, in a team getting, getting, getting probation. Well, when they say that the school got away with it, that's not really an optimistic point of view. Like they're, you're, you're but jumping. Is that, is that not true? No, that means they might've not done what people thought they did. Okay. Remember the Sean Miller. I'll give you an example. The Sean Miller case. Remember the FBI? Oh, he should go. Well, what's happened to that? What happened to that whole FBI case? Nothing. Nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. It was overblown. It was your typical nonsense shoe story. Everybody thought it was going to bring down college basketball. It was overblown. And that's that's an example of why college fans – I'm not saying that you're wrong, Jeff. I'm just telling you from the perspective. That's where it's coming from. It's all so the negativity. It <laughs> it's the negativity. It's the negativity. Because I remember that FBI college – you would have thought the sport was going to crumble. And it's not – and that's what – I think that's what some of the fans – uh, get upset. It'd be like if Jeff Passan said, guys, the sport is going to die tomorrow. We're doomed. If Jeff Passan would said that over and over, people would turn on him, but he doesn't say that. So I think it's just more of how the message is being delivered on that. 
but the sport kind of, you know, goes in that direction. Again, Murph I'm being not, a being a well-trained reporter is neither but positive is not nor a negative. negative guy. But no, no, Murph does a very Murph does a good job when he tells a story. You don't get a sense that he's very negative about it or he's doom and gloom. He just reports it. And I think people get a sense like, hey, what he's telling you is authentic. That's all. That's right. My doom and gloom is solely saved for when I'm off the podcast or before this right. podcast. When we're not when recording. <laughs> when, when, when I log on to Skype, when I log on to Skype and Jeffrey, Jeffrey asks me, how am I doing? And all I do is primal scream for 30 seconds. Yeah. And, and then and then I hear a bottle opening. So, yes. Uh, all right. We're, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, about what's going on, at least in Orlando in particular. Uh, some reporting from the Orlando Sentinel about exactly how many fans is Orange County going to be OK with uh, allowing into uh, the bounce house if the season gets off. We'll talk about that in a little bit more when we return. It's the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you. Follow us at UCF underscore Banneret, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret, where we are continuing our uh, developing story of college football on the brink. See, Eric, we're so negative, aren't we? Um, the uh, One of the things that actually did come out from earlier today um, the NCAA D1 Council, this is according to Chris Vanini of The Athletic, friend of the pod. He's not uh, He's not negative, in fairness. In fact, he has a great wrestling podcast, as I've learned. Because he's a reporter, that's why. Uh, re- the NCAA D1 Council recommended eligibility extensions for players who opt out or have their season cut short, and an extra year for those who play in 50% or less of a maximum, uh, uh, or of, uh, f- it says 50% of less of a maximum season, I think he meant or less, of a maximum yeah. season. The board will decide um, next week. Uh, in addition to that, um, uh, one of the things that they're talking about as well is, uh, you know, what do you do about uh, scholarships, for example? I think that's pretty much going to be on a school by school basis. But I think that's I think that's obviously a very fair way of addressing the eligibility question. But the question then becomes, of course, as always, well, how are you going to pay for it? And that's going to be up to the individual, especially in football. Yeah, especially in football, where you're dealing with 85 scholarships, uh, 65 at the FCS level. Um, but you know, overall, I mean, if we're talking about just it, what the NCAA governs, which is just allowing the opportunity to play, that seems to me to be fairly reasonable, don't you think? Yeah, I just you know, and it's it's funny. It's going to be a broken record from last week. I wish we would know what the status is for the fall championships. So that way the student athletes and coaches can make whatever decisions they feel is best for their respective programs and their respective playing status, because we still don't know that as we record this, but I do think it's, 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 this is good news. I expected to, you know, the fact they would get an extra year of eligibility, it makes sense. 50%. I think that's a key stat, which I find interesting. Um, So yeah, I think it's a positive step. I would expect, I would think, in fact, we know we're going to know by next week at the latest if we're going to have fall championships or not, which, quite frankly, I mean, right now it's not looking good. I mean, I it, because Murph, and you brought this up to me because I've been bugging you about this all week because I am very curious about it. Even if, I mean, right now the the, the threshold is 50%. If 50, what yeah. is it, 50% of the teams bow out, then there's no NCAA tournament to vote on, right? Right. 
if you don't, if, if 50% of the D1, if the 50% of Division One programs, you know, don't play this fall, then they're not going to hold fall championships. They don't even need to vote on it. Like, they, they won't even need to vote on it. It's just, it's just, it's just an automatic happen. trigger, right? Right. And so the Big East, this, this evening, the Big East basically said, we're out too. And I think I saw somewhere that pushes a sport like men's soccer, I think, to like 48%. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're like, we're, well, volleyball's at 52%, I think, right now. Oh, That's also on the brink, too. They're over the brink. <laughs> but obviously it extends to every Well, no, they're not they're not over the brink. They're, they're, they're like 52% of them are still are still there. Oh, oh, it, oh no, I'm yeah, right. Well, what's the same thing then? Because yeah, I, I think okay. we're saying the same thing. Is right, that right. is that there's there's 48% are down. That's what we're saying. Yeah. And they still yeah. could vote it even if they're like let's say volleyball stays at 52%. I could see them where they say, no, we're still not going to hold the championship because, first of all, you just lost your two marquee conferences in the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And the Final Four, I believe, was scheduled to be in Omaha. Does that sound right, Jeff, in volleyball? I'll double double, yeah, double check, check that. Yeah. So I'm still skeptical whether volleyball happens considering you – I mean, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, that's, that's, that's your heavyweights in this sport. Uh, so I think there's going to be I, – I just don't see them doing it. And men's soccer, if that stat is correct, Murph, they're done right there. And that brings up this question of, well, will they try to make it up in the spring, in the spring championships or not? And so that's why that ruling, Murph, that you talked about, the senior I – mean, and Jeff, about the year extra year is significant because now if there's no championships, to me, I would redshirt my best players moving forward. I wouldn't mm -hmm. even try I – would, I would treat this like an exhibition preseason – moving forward because there's no purpose to play at that point in my opinion no i think yeah. i think you're very much right about that and, and and i'll tell you i a lot of coaches right now have some big decisions to make about what would they decide to do in that case by the way you're right it is omaha nebraska uh, would be the site of the ncaa volleyball championship this year it's kind of awkward <laughs> it's kind of awkward with no, no, no. That's the real reason why Scott Frost in Nebraska is mad. It's not because of football. It's because of the Final Four in volleyball. Um, but that's, you know, we haven't brought this up, but the spring idea, you know, that's going to be the other a caveat. Will football actually be played in the spring? They're going to, they, you know, the Big Ten, the Pac-12 tried to play it in the spring, but there's no guarantees they're going to do that. And there's a question of, while we're worried about the health, you know, rightfully so right now with the virus, there's, Who's to say that the, the same concerns are not there this spring? Also, some would argue that you you have health issues if you try to play a spring season and a fall season. Some would say that's also long-term health issues that uh, maybe shouldn't happen either. So there's a lot of complications with this right now with football that I don't think it's as simple as, hey, we'll just move it around to the spring. I think that's a last-ditch resort, but I wouldn't be surprised – if a lot of these, uh, if football doesn't get played in the spring by many conferences, like I don't see the Ivy League doing it. I don't see other leagues doing it. Well, I mean, it depends obviously on when you want to start. Yeah. Um, yeah. On top of another, a, a bunch of other things. By the way, Mark Daniels um, put up a blog on his, uh, on a 96.9, which I think is worth reading. I took a look at it earlier um, about, you know, a couple of different ways that you could pull off a season based on different start dates. Uh, one of them he put forward was if you start in Thanksgiving, another one was if you start New Year's Day, another one is if you start a little bit later. But what does that do? What are the different effects to it? Um, and I definitely encourage everyone to take a look at that. I, I think that if you're going to be if you're going to do a spring season. You're shrinking the 
uh, you're obviously shrinking the schedule no more than 10 games. And well, I would argue, got, some would argue it might be, has to be less than that. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe you drop it down to eight games in 10 weeks and you would have to start it, I would think, no, no earlier than New Year's Day, right? Have like a jamboree on New Year's Day, basically. But you know, I guess theoretically you could start the, you know, I, I think that the latest, this is what Mark was mentioning, um, the latest you could possibly start a spring season and, and even get it off in time would be the weekend between the Super Bowl and the championship games, the last weekend in January. And that's going to be obviously, but that again, that's going to have its own. Right. Because the problem you know, is if you challenges with, you know, how, how do you, how do you prepare for the following fall? You know, that's the question. And does it, you would have to start the big, te- the, the fall in 21 later and more than likely shorten. Yeah. And you may have to shorten that season. So now you're damaging the 21 fall season. So now you could be looking at two shortened seasons. And well, it, you are, know, are you damaging it though? I don't think so. Well, you I think, you, well, yeah. Well, I'll give you an example. Let's say, let's say you decide to do a spring conference only and it finishes for whatever reason. Let's just say you can't finish it until April or May. Well, you're going to have to push back football in the fall. Well, what's the most likely games you're going to lose if you push football back in the fall? It's like your non conference game, right. which means for UCF, they would lose the Boise State home game at Louisville. That's marquee games. That's money. Like that. That hurts. Unless That's you just put. Un, unless you just push all the whole schedule back. Yeah, we've seen how. Yeah, we've seen how well that's gone so far this fall. Well, I mean, well, <laughs> well that's but but that goes back to what we've been talking about this entire time is that this is what the ads and the presidents are and are trying to do is they are trying to buy time. Correct. They're trying to buy time to make sure to, to get more information. Who knows about what sort of treatment options are available at that point? And I can't blame them because if I was in that position, that's exactly sure. what I would be trying to do right now. We've got to buy time. Yes. You don't want to make a decision too soon based on incomplete information. And by the way, the, that comes back to the Big Ten and the Pac-12. What they're doing is they're buying time by moving things to the spring. Correct, but there may not be an option to have a spring at that point. Like you yeah. have to be, you know, and that's but, why. Okay, I, but, you can't, but that doesn't mean that you have to play now. No, no, no. Of course not. Of course not. I'm just saying we're, we're buying time to make that decision. We don't have to sure. make that decision now. Make that decision later. Of of course, you're. You, you know, it, it may not be better, but it might be. We don't know. That's the whole point of gathering more data. But I think that's why the Mister Negative. No, I think that's why the S. One of the many reasons why the SEC they're trying to move forward because they, the spring is very complicated, and if we're talking about the health of a student athlete, it's hard to justify saying let's play a spring and a fall season. Go ahead and beat your brains out, and don't worry about the fact you're gonna have CTE. Which, by the way, the Big Ten has been very invested in CTE and concussions. Which, by the way, and Mark Daniels mentioned this on the radio, the, there has been hundreds to thousands uh, of lawsuits every year that doesn't get talked about over concussions in college football, but nobody brings that up. Hundreds so, of thousands? Hundreds. Yeah. So hundreds even that's hundreds, not like say hundreds hundred, of thousands. I would say at most hundreds. Like, yeah, I, guarantee, hundreds. I guarantee it's hundreds of thousands. No, no, no. Hundreds to maybe a thousand is where I misspoke there. But the point is, it's not like, like – 
Football is not a uh, – it's not like the safest sport to begin with. Like I would argue that some medical staffs would even – some medical staffs would not even clear you to play football even if it was a normal circumstance. That's all I'm saying. I mean this is – it's not as simple as, hey, let's play. It's like basketball. Yes, basketball could play in the spring and then all that. Football is a very violent sport, so that is significant how many games you play because you don't – I mean you can't ask college players to be playing eight to ten games in the spring and then come back in the fall and play another ten to twelve games. And think, and then say yeah. that you're, and you then say that you're worried I'm about sure the, their I'm sure the S, I'm sure the SEC will be like, hold my whiskey on that one. <laughs> uh, Jeff, you talked about the eligibility. Uh, what, what the D1 Council said tonight regarding eligibility, the 50% yeah. threshold, all of that is being pushed down to the board of directors, who <sighs> will vote, recommend, who will recommend, will will take those recommendations and vote on them, as well as vote on fall championships on August 21st. That is. I know we've kicked the can so much oh. we've broken a broken a toe. <laughs> so we, we will we, have a conclusion. We will have a conclusion, one way or the other. We will not know. go any further. The NCAA says this: we cannot go any further than August twenty-first. So the can kicking stops next. You know Friday. what that? You know what so that sounds like? So that's that's, that's nine days, right? Nine that's days. A Friday. You know what that sounds like to me, Murph? It sounds like we should be doing a live special bannerette for the drink. Okay. You know. Fun drinks, well, huh? Huh? Here's the question, right? And like, like we said, so like men's soccer and 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 uh, and uh, volleyball are 52 percent are still in, right? right? So will we get to next Friday above the 50 percent threshold across the nation, or will it be a fait accompli and like a, for, a formality once we get to next Friday and it'll all be done anyway? It's a good point. Nine nine days from when we're recording this on Wednesday, August 12th. This is the story of a girl who cried river and drowned the whole world. Um. All right. So that's so that's where we're at. God. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know. It's not a good. It's not a good song. It's a bad song reference. Bad song. Yeah, yeah. Save that for when we do our live special they, reaction they to the, the news. There. They were one of the. They were one of the big acts when I was in when I went to grad night at Disney. By the way, that shows. You, you know, Jeff was a big fan of of uh, like post like nineties post like postmodern pop like or just post like uh, post grunge pop. Moving on, uh, um, story from uh, uh, Ileana Limon Romero, our friend, uh, friend of the pod on uh, the Orlando Sentinel, along with Julia Poe and Stephen Udak. Um, Orange County, you know, okay, let's just say football actually does happen in the fall. Well, Orange County is going to have something to say about that. Uh, they are reviewing plans from UCF and, of course, Orlando City. Regarding capacity limits at each uh, team's respective uh, facility, uh, according to the Sentinel, um, the uh, Orange County officials in MLS and MLS need to sign off on Orlando City's plan, which calls for limiting attendance to 30 percent of Exploria Stadium's capacity, requiring ras- mask use and practicing social distancing. Uh, that's at least for um, what Orlando City's doing. No word yet on a number, uh, no official word yet, one way or the other, on a number for UCF. I've seen a number, I've seen a few numbers tossed around. One of them is about 25%, but that's another moving part here that we have to talk about is when, if and when this actually happens, you know, what's Orange County going to say about it? And what what's the plan going to look like? Because, and this is, by the way, this is not just for UCF, this is for everyone around the country. That they're going to be dealing with, it, let alone if you play. What does mm-hmm. your local 
well, uh, health officials, what do your local health officials and um, and uh, and state officials say about how many people you can let in? Well, let me let me ask you both this: Did then they allow Disney to open and Universal to open? Not at full capacity, though. What was? Do we know the percentage? Uh, I, I can find that out real quick, but um, I would be surprised if they didn't. Now, maybe the I don't know what the percentage will be. I would be surprised if they said no, no fans or nobody in the building. Uh, based on just quite frankly the track record we have right now in our state, which I'm not going to get into, but it is what it is. But my, I, I would assume that UCF feels confident that they think they will have limited fans. Otherwise, you're not going through all this efforts to try to schedule home games, would you, Murph? Well, absolutely. Well, first of all, you want to schedule home games so for the for the obvious reason of possibility that you get some fans in there, correct? And Danny White talked about this last week when we met him for a press conference was. They're, you know, they're still thinking about what is the county, you know, coronavirus spread look like? Are the trend lines going down? What do the county medical officials think? What does UCF think? He really, 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 really wants to get some measure of fans in there uh, to see as many games as possible. Uh, well, as many, well, no, he wants to get fans in there to see seven games. That is, that is the count. He wants to see seven games at UCF with fans to mitigate the you know what he said was the the thirty the thirty million dollar deficit really that they would face if they played games without fans and so yeah it's it's exactly why they're scheduling games so they have more chances to get fans and, to, and draw revenue from that but uh, we will see if like I said we'll see if that's actually possible. Uh, by the way, Eric, uh, according to uh, Florida Today, um, the part uh, the uh, Walt Disney World limited attendance. Uh, estimated to about, I think, 17% of capacity. Ooh, that's a good stat. That's one to kind of mark that down. Let's see if that's – we'll see if that's what they allow. Now, now, that, now that's what that's they – that's at least what they're reporting, what their regular capacity is. That's how many people actually showed up. I know that the the limit was – I believe it was 25%, but I'm not 100% sure on exactly what it is. And, of course, they're, they're you know very strict about right. all of the um, – I just would be. I just would. I just would, I, I just would be surprised if they said no, no fans under any circumstances. I would be surprised. If I, that I, really I would be surprised about that too, unless you know. Again, we're starting K through twelve school in the next couple weeks here. Okay, UCF kids are already moving in, and the semester is starting. If we see another spike, you know, today's August the twelfth. First UCF uh, football home game is scheduled for. Uh, a month from now, right? So, what are we going to see in these next? It's two just weeks? so this next two weeks is absolutely critical. And if you need to, and this is where everybody needs to start paying attention. It's just so weird, though, because like the Masters even already has announced no fans. Like most of yeah, the pros, nobody cares about them anyway. I disagree with that, but that's another story. In fact, I'm very confident that sport will happen, and that's what we're all going to be watching in November. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I it, but it's interesting because most pro sports, you know, outside of the whack job that is Jerry Jones, have been very like, hey, no, like Washington, no fans. Like most of the NFL teams have already said no fans, um, and in the few that have said fans, very limited. It seems like for obvious reasons, the college is the one that keeps trying to push this narrative, whereas the pro sports, it's like we're not even like baseball. There's not even been a, a right, Murph. There's not even been a whisker 
even a, a, a word sent about any possibility anymore about a fan coming to a baseball game this year at all. Hell, the NBA is already making plans for if they have no fans to begin next season. And yet, college, uh, we're trying to push fans, you know, depending on the capacity. Although, well, in that, fairness, but, some of them have not, like Rutgers you, is declining. But, well, that tells you what the bulk of college football programs derive their revenue from. Oh, it's, I agree. 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 Most just, of them don't derive their revenue from their television contracts. Um, you know, Power Five, Power Five excluded, you know, when you're talking G5, FCS on all the way down, they all get it from fan, from tickets, from merchandise, from concessions and parking. That's what they get it from. I mean, by, that's by the way, the Cincinnati line. Reds, the Cincinnati Reds are playing to bring fans back. What? When? Yeah. When? Uh, well, it's it. So the, the plan they have has already been approved uh, by the uh, uh, city and the county. Uh, the plan, if implemented, allows a portion of fans to return in either September or for the playoffs. Uh, it does not say <laughs> how many will be allowed in, although the capacity of the stadium is 42,000. So 25% of that, you know, would be what about 10 grand, a little less ish. Yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't make yeah. plans. For, I wouldn't make plans for the playoffs. I have a feeling that playoffs is not going to be, a, I have a feeling the playoffs are going to be on a neutral field in a bubble uh, setting, uh, but uh, what, yeah, what, man, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio, Hamilton County—they're ready to let uh, to let fans in now. MLB apparently—I I, I don't know if they have a say in this, but uh, but at least the county and the state have, have at least the, now, the city and the county have yes. The in state fairness, and MLB have said I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, I, mean, I would play because now. In fairness, now do we know? Because I know you've been following the Disney Universal aspect. Do we? Have we've had any? information how things have gone since they've opened as far as uh numbers are concerned is it uh, what, what <laughs> well there's what we... no lines <laughs> that's okay. that much we know <laughs> i mean they're both they're laying off employees i know universal at least is laying off employees because there's just not as much attendance and so or partially right, right. you know but what are you talking about you're talking about case outbreaks well i'm just more worried i'm yeah, yeah, that's the main. I mean, yes, obviously they're not getting the attendance number. I'm just worried, like, because that was one of the concerns when they were going to open. Is like, wait, is this going to cause a rise in numbers? Have we seen evidence that that's the case? Because that would influence some of these decisions whether you should let people into these sporting events uh, in the immediate future. Not yet. And look, you know, okay. look at what I'm looking at. What I've, I'm seeing uh, online. <laughs> Because that's good news. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're UCF, if you're college athletics, if you're sports in general, that is a positive. That you know that has worked out from that standpoint. If that's if that's pretty accurate, so that's a positive sign moving forward. That maybe we'll have limited fans either this fall or in the spring. Well, yeah. when did the, these these parks open not that long ago? Yeah, July, well, the start of this month. So yeah, give it, give, give, let's, let's it's, it's a little quick. Okay, yeah. two weeks. So what do you think? I mean, two weeks would probably like would, Jeff said. Yeah, yeah. I would, a little, little longer. Let's see what's. Let's see. Like, let's let's wait another two weeks or the end. Yeah, of the let's month. give it some time. Let's give it some time. We got, you yeah. know, like let's do let's do what the ads are doing. Let's buy. Well, you some well, time. you two are the black and gold banneret uh, specialist. You know, you're the medical staff. You know, every conference oh, has a staff. Oh, banneret oh, has. Oh. You're, you two are the staff. You know, you're you're the representatives. I can make a joke here, but I'm not gonna. I, it's yeah, gonna be a bad joke I would, I would, yeah. <laughs> about, the, about the AAC's COVID advisory board. Oh. I'm not gonna do that. Let's 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 not and say we did. All right, let's <laughs> uh, let's let's wrap this thing up here uh, with a little talk about well something good that's happening. Oh my God, Murph! 
Dylan Moore. <laughs> Dylan Moore is mashing right now for the Seattle Mariners. He knocked another one out tonight, right? Tonight? I don't know. I haven't seen that. We're talking Wednesday night. No. But he has four on the year. Okay, that's right. If we're, well, here, let me, just, let me just read this headline from the Seattle Times, uh, dated August 11th yesterday. Dylan Moore turning into a, quote, absolute stud, end quote, for the Mariners. <laughs> it, now we're talking, it, man. You, you know what? Uh, you like to see it. You like to see it. Yeah. Um, he came into Tuesday with a 333, 388, 689, 689 slash, four doubles, four homers, nine runs batted in, three steals, two walks, and 15 strikeouts. He's tied for the team lead with Kyle Lewis for homers, and his eight extra base hits were one behind Kyle Seeger's team high nine. That's coming into action on Tuesday. Again, through 200, and this was this is this year, through 282 at bats last year, or 247 at bats last year, that slash line was was 206, 302, 389 for 691 OPS. Now he has a 1023 OPS. It's not, <laughs> but here's my favorite stat. And while I've been screaming at, at, at friends that while I love this, this is really simple. Um, by the way, would you ever believe in your life that Dylan Moore would rank in the 96 percentile of exit velocity, 94 percentile of hard hit percentage, and 90 percentile of expected slugging percentage? This shows you how hard he's hitting the ball consistently, which is amazing. But, Murph, I'm going to have to tag this podcast not safe for work if you keep doing this to me. Oh, I'm my God. Gonna... It gets better, Jeffrey. It, 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 but it shows you what's <laughs> happening with, with Dylan. So people need to, pitchers need to stop throwing him fastballs. Honestly, <laughs> just stop. Because he's, mean... mashing, he's mashing every single one of them. I'll give you his, his stats on breaking balls are meager. He's faced about 100, 100 off-speed slash breaking balls this year. And his average on those balls are about 100, okay, against fastballs. He has faced 104 fastballs. He's only missed 7% of those fastballs. He has hit uh, 30, uh, 30 of them into, into play. His average, is, his average is 433 on fastballs with a 976 slugging. He is killing fastballs. Stop throwing the man straight stuff. Not, like Pedro, you're you're going like to give it away, man. People are going to start throwing and breaking stuff now that they're listening to this podcast. It's like Pedro Serrano, like throw him the curveball. You know, bats, bats don't like curveball. Um, as we record this, by the way, Dylan Moore is 0 for 1 tonight in Texas. He struck out and has walked. <laughs> no, that's no surprise. He's hitting, He's playing first base, Murph, starting at first base. The different one, but look, he's a he's a the reason why he's even on the team is because he's a versatile defender. Right. We talk about the fact that he can play three positions anyway, and and one of those positions wasn't first base. Um. So it, it, he's a guy on the team that gives you a lot of position flexibility, uh, and, and plays position and plays those position positions, uh, you know, pretty well. The what he's doing offensively is complete gravy, and you know maybe maybe it's just a late bloomer thing. I mean. I, I I don't know. I mean, again, it's all small sample size, but the entire baseball season is small sample size. So who cares? <laughs> I think he's played every point. By the way, he's played every position but catcher yeah. in his career. This year, he's played uh, he's played left, right, uh, third, first, and short. Boy, that's a fantasy yeah. baseball dream right there, Murph. In fantasy leagues, I mean, his 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 uh, his fantasy ownership rate has gone up uh, because of that that, that flexibility and the. 
I mean, he's hitting second in this lineup now. Uh, it's 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 brilliant. You got you now, love to see it. Now his team is not having the success. However, however, we do have two UCF guys currently leading their teams to first place in their respective divisions. <laughs> Danny Winkler. Danny Winkler in the best record, the Chicago Cubs, 12-3 and three in the NL Central. And then a team, Murph, that you were skeptical would be any good, the Colorado Rockies. You underestimated the impact that Drew Butera would have. And, and, and sure, sure, he's one for 11. But it, that's not the stat that matters. What matters is that the Rockies are 12-6. and six. How do you respond to that? Veteran leadership. It's veteran leadership. That's I'll what it is. I'll respond like many FBS many FBS commissioners come back to me in a few weeks. Let's see where we are. Look, I'm we're rooting for all these guys. That, that, that that's what we want to see is all the, is all these dudes playing well. It's, and I'll tell you, Dylan Moore seeing Dylan Moore succeed at this level is just mind blowing to me. It's not that I didn't not that I, I I thought he would be a stiff. Absolutely not. But like. To succeed at that, you know, to have a moment like that in baseball is just—it's just fantastic to watch. It's so fantastic. I mean, he hit a home run a couple nights ago to dead center, four hundred thirty-seven feet at about one hundred seven point eight miles per hour. That is that is Stantonian type numbers. Uh, Yeah, that's that's a blast. (laughs) Which also might make you skeptical of the ball, which again is completely. Come on, Murph, what are you talking about? Come on. See, see, what did I tell you, Jeff? College guys, media. Oh, he's so negative. (laughs) Unbelievable. Sorry, Danny Winkler is an 8.10 ERA in four games. But, but he's contributed to their best record in baseball, the Chicago Cubs. We could have a Winkler versus Butera NLCS in Dodger Stadium. And certainly, yeah. I mean, oh, I can't wait. And and certainly the, the Rockies are so good because of, Drew Butera's clubhouse demeanor. He just brings everybody together. He brings everybody together. He's a he's a, he's he's a uh, he's a clubhouse dude. Hey, yeah. by the way, what'd you guys think of Taco Falls golf swing? Apparently, he's, uh, that was out there. Uh, Celtics are gonna be in the playoffs, but he's out golfing at Disney there in the off day. The That's dude fantastic. literally makes a, the dude literally makes a driver look like a putter. It's weird. I'm happy for Taco. I would like to see him get more playing time on the floor. That's, maybe that's Friday, a- maybe Friday, since the Celtics have nothing to play for their next game. Maybe they uh, he might get some run. Look, it's just good that he's in the bubble to even get the run. Right. I mean, they could have just left him back in Maine and they didn't. They brought him down. So um, and uh, some would argue way, that's the best place to be right now in the whole country. Well, I don't, I don't know. about that, I, But I tell you, I'll tell you where we might see him if there's close game. We'll see him in the playoffs and I'll tell you why. There's a close game. Celtics are on defense. You know he's going to come in and guard the inbounder. Right? Eric, what do you think? Wow. Uh, I wasn't prepared to do NBA playoff preview until next week, but uh, maybe. <laughs> got to guard maybe. the inbounder. You got, you got a 7-6 guy. You got to guard the inbounder with him, right? Uh, that's a theory. Sure. Yeah, that works. I mean, yeah, a couple seconds. That, that might work. Sure. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that's uh, it, that is an option in Brad Stevens' uh, disposal. That's that would, correct. That's that's at the very least. That's what we should be doing. All right. So let's go ahead and wrap this thing up here. Um, Mur- uh, Murph, what do you got coming up? You're just going to be you're, you've got your ear to Twitter and the phones just trying to make sure that. Have you? Yeah. Has are, are, do, are you even have you just forgotten Ben Lively? Have you disp- Have you abandoned Ben Lively now, Murph? Have you uh, are we not even going to anymore? I have a little bit, by the way, I think he pitches tomorrow. 
Um, <laughs> but well, I will say this: just because of the that that MLB is back, I, I have taken my eye off lively a little bit. However, I will say his last couple of starts haven't been great. And I heard it was like two weeks ago he had a start that I missed where he was pitching well. And then it all sort of unraveled in, for him in like the sixth inning. And he like, stor- and like, and, and he just stormed off the mound. He was yelling at the umpire. Uh, it was, it was, it, it hasn't been a great couple of weeks. So while I haven't been great with the Ben Lively updates, he has, he's been mediocre too. So. He's well right now. He's he's one in five with a four point eight four earn run average in eight starts, thirty five and a third. He's given up uh, nineteen runs, all of them earned on thirty one hits. Walked seventeen, struck out twenty seven. And he does he does actually pitch tomorrow morning against the Doosan Bears at five thirty again. Uh, probably not going to get up for this. I'm sorry that I'm relaxing on my Ben Lively coverage. Uh, but look, we're probably going to have some more college football news tomorrow. And, and your boy needs, your boy needs his beauty rest. By the way, we should bring up, and I don't want to, I mean, I'm going to bring it up because we, we can't, we also should mention Bo Taylor because Bo Taylor is a part of the UCF collective that's in the MLB, but. Uh, he's currently 0 for 16 with seven strikeouts. Oh, wow. Lordy, Bo. So, so the UCF catchers are a combined one for 27 this so far. I mean, I mean, look, it's it, they're they, well, it's, they're it's there a rough, for their it's a rough year, man. Ugh. Dylan so, Moore is pulling up. Dylan Moore is floating all boats. So, so well, now Sam Unger asked the question. He thinks Dylan, if Dylan Moore continues this, is he the best, the greatest UCF baseball player of all time in Major League Baseball? <laughs> We've got <laughs> all right. So, like the two things I wow. took away from that are one, we're just we're just, throw, we're just throwing away the concept of sample sizes on this one, aren't we? We have really gone too far <laughs> into a guy who's 15 games into a season. And again, I, I I I mean, Dylan Moore wasn't very good last year. He was really one of the last guys to make the 30 man roster for the Mariners, which, as I famously stressed in the preseason, are not very good. And so, no, I, I, right now he's having a great stretch. If he has a great season, it might be the best season for any UCF player in history, but I still can't knock Butera's longevity. And you World can, Series you can, champ, man. World Series champ, Jupiterra. I've caught the last out of a, of a World Series with the Royals. And uh, two and no-hitters. No-hitters. So, uh, no, it's still Butera, at least for a while, until Moore can string a few years together. If, if Moore does this for a few years, uh, then yeah, because obviously Butera doesn't offer a lot of offensive value. But uh, we're we're well, we are getting. I mean, way you too say deep. it's a small sample size, Murph. We're twenty five percent through the season here. Like, everything, <laughs> but everything's a small sample in baseball this year. Everything's a small sample. Yeah, every game counts as like two point seven games, basically. Is that right? Yeah. No, no. Look, All right. You know, tomorrow we'll probably have some more college football news. Murph means uh, Thursday, by the way, for those that are listening, depending on this oh, is yeah. recorded Wednesday night. So Murph has yeah, yeah, Murph yeah. has sorry, finally sorry, lost sorry. track of what day it is. Sorry, no, sorry. No, it's true. Like I'm sorry. I'm, I should always say that what you know, so Thursday we should maybe have some football news, possibly about UCF. I remember, you know, I, I reported on Monday that uh, they weren't practicing yet. Maybe that'll change at the end of this week. Uh we'll see. Um, so I'll be on that. 
otherwise, we'll 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 continue Got to some recruiting monitor. some recruits too. Subi could be hearing about UCF and stuff. Stuff they've had some positive uh, recruiting going on. Possibly, I mean, certainly if 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 you're in the know of UCF athletics, you you know you know there might be some news down the pike coming down the pike about uh, a transfer. And last weekend we had uh, uh, Devad Wilson from Georgia transfer, yeah. and then uh, the day and then the next, or excuse me. Uh, I'm trying to get the names right here. Jaden Francois, the yeah, next Jayden, guy you came uh, over. Yeah. Well, that's, 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 we had two guys in two days transfer from big, from uh, from Power Five universities. You had Devon Wilson from Georgia and Jaden Francois from Nebraska. Uh, and there might be another one on the way. It's it's a pretty weird time where you know when you hear about the you know uh, the 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 Power Five is always the one that that is, that is pilfering. The you know the other the lower conferences the 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 F, the G five teams well now here's UCF sort of picking at the picking at the the, the power five teams and stacking up their roster with uh, with with talent and and it's a uh, it's pretty neat to see I'll take it anytime <laughs> uh, he was uh, by the way Jaden Francois originally from South Dade High School down in Homestead um, number twenty eight overall safety in the country in twenty twenty. According to two four seven sports, six feet, hundred eighty five pounds. So, um, again, another another Sunshine State guy, South Florida kid, Randy Shannon. It's happening. It, yeah, a lot of that. Se- second half, Randy. Not just second half of games. Second half of guys' careers, right? <laughs> second half of recruiting season. That's right. Twenty twenty. <laughs> we are down with that. All right, uh, Eric. What do you got going on? We're going to reveal our top twenty coaches, right? Yeah, if uh, whenever you know the college football landscape news kind of slows down, but for sure, yeah, we're gonna. I'm actually his- getting people contacting me saying, "Hey, when's the top twenty coaches coming down?" Really? Yeah, I have yes. a feeling. Yeah, that's we are important. We are the source for all UCF news <laughs> and content. We this is the show that coaches, players watch and listen. Uh, that we're the only ones that actually add credibility to any content for podcasting in UCF. So yes. And we will have that Whoa, out. Oh, that was some soon. shots fired. <laughs> I'm just saying, we've all been in locker rooms. It's a crazy concept. So I think, yes, we will hopefully have that out soon. I also will have a list of the top games in the history of the Bounce House in honor of the Bounce House being now called the Bounce House. Fantastic, by the way. I just think that's so amazing. Everything about that is just, is just fantastic. All right. Uh, also, uh, keep an eye out for uh, some more coming down the line. Our, our uh, daily newsletter from uh jeremy brenner uh and uh, danny medina has been uh been sending out some really good stuff she had a look at uh what ucf fans are doing uh you know those who collect paper tickets since ucf is going to all electronic tickets what's what's that mean for them uh when and if we return to play how do you collect tickets that are all electronic now and she's got a couple more stories that she's told me about that are coming down the line really really thrilled with um, the perspective that she's that she has brought to us, and I'm so thankful for Danny that she's on board. Thanks to all you guys. You guys are all amazing. It's, it's fantastic. What a time to be alive! All right, wrap this thing up. We've got. Uh, don't forget to follow us at UCF underscore Banneret. Individually, we're at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez Elo, and Spokes underscore Murphy on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret, and of course here at BlackandGoldBanneret.com. We are your home for UCF Sports on SB Nation. For Eric Lopez and Brian Murphy, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you this time next week. 
or maybe sooner if all hell breaks loose. Who knows? In the meantime, follow us, and we'll see you next time.